0: about how we can turn our problems into dreams. So often we are placed with a problem in our lives and we can actually feel like the problem is on top of us. And I believe that Father God wants to come this morning and change our perspective so that we begin viewing the problem from his angle and actually dreaming about how the kingdom of heaven can come in terms of a solution to our problem. And how the glory of the Lord can be revealed as our problem becomes a solution. And as we dream big about what that problem could look like. So are you up for that this morning? Yes. Yeah. Great. And I just um, I just felt like um, Father God said... Taste and see that I'm good. That this morning, it's all about tasting and seeing that he is good. And dreaming gives God the opportunity to just reveal and show his children more of his amazing goodness. Dreaming is always an invitation for us to experience and encounter more of God's kindness and goodness to us. And I felt like, as I speak this morning, it's going to be like God is giving you a menu at a restaurant. And as I say different things, it might be for you like, yes, I really can hear what Joy is saying, but I don't actually experience that in my life and I want it. And God is just saying, as you hear something this morning that I'm saying that you think, yeah, I want that in my life, I want to encounter that, grab hold of it and say, that's for me. Because this talk isn't for me, well, it probably is as well, but this talk is for you to experience and encounter more of God's kindness. So just treat it as a menu and grab hold of those things that you really want to embrace this morning. I want us to start by reading the story of the 5,000. So if you have a Bible, just turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. Okay. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. The Apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going, and recognised them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, "You give them something to eat." And they said to him, "Shall we go and buy? Um, shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat?" And he said to them, "How many loaves do you have?" Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. It's just a wonderful story, isn't it? Of one of the many miracles Jesus did. And I just want to talk a little bit about the context of this miracle Because actually, previous to this, the disciples had been on their first ministry trip. So Jesus had sent them out in twos, and they'd gone out, and they'd experienced lots of God's anointing. They'd seen people saved, they'd seen people delivered, they'd seen people healed. So they were obviously like probably on a little bit of a high. And they came back to Jesus, And the first thing Jesus said was, we need to go and get some rest. And I just think, isn't that interesting that Jesus put so much priority on rest? And um, he also put a lot of priority, didn't he, on time alone and solitude. And I just think it's really important that we have that time of rest, and solitude with the Father, and where we cry out to him for the things that we long to see happen in the public place. So we need to make sure that we're having that time with Father God in the private place. But then what happened was they got in the boat, they went off, and the people knew what was happening, and they ran round on the land to meet them, when the boat came to where they were going to stop. And at this point, it says Jesus was filled with compassion. And he didn't think, oh, we're going to have rest and send the people away. Even though in his head, he knew that that was a good thing to do, at this particular point, he was walking in the step with the Spirit and he knew that his father was saying, you need to teach the people. And I just thought, for us, there's a message there, isn't there, in terms of it's good that we have principles in our lives, it's good that we have that principle of resting, but it's also that there's going to be times when as we're walking with the Holy Spirit, we need to break away from that and know what the Father's heart is and know when it's time to actually minister and reach out to people and love the person in front of you and when it's time to take a rest. It's really important, isn't it, that when we have principles, we don't let that box us, but that we're free, and walking step with the Father's heart. So basically, he started to teach and preach to all the people, and this went on and on and on. And then the disciples thought, oh, it's nearly nightfall, and these people, they haven't had any food, they're gonna be starving, what are we going to do? So they come to Jesus with the problem come to Jesus with the problem. And this morning, I just want to talk a bit about what's the problem, and then the next one, how are we viewing it, and then what do we have in terms of resources for the problem, and that God is a God of excess, and how we enjoy his excess. So that's basically what I want to draw out of the passage this morning. Anyway, so his disciples came to him and said, you know, we have this problem. The first thing they did is they used their human logic. And they said, well, you know, we could actually pay for them to eat. We could go off into the town, buy some food and come back and have a big picnic. So they used their human logic And I think this was quite interesting, and um, I just think that possibly Jesus wanted to see if through going out and ministering by themselves, which they've just done, whether their mindsets about God have changed in any way. And actually, when they were faced with this problem, they had the opportunity to think, oh, wow, what could God do here? But actually they resorted back to, no, we just need to sort it out in our own sufficiency. And sometimes we do that, don't we? We we see God do amazing things. We hear amazing testimonies. And then when we're faced with a problem in our own lives, We sometimes forget those incredible testimonies and just think, what can I do in my own strength to solve this problem? And this morning, Father God wants to come and give us an upgrade in our thinking so that we begin to view our problems as possibilities to dream about how the kingdom of heaven can come through our problems and our difficulties. But Jesus is so kind, isn't he? Because he realized that the disciples, you know, weren't really at that point, and he thought, right, they need more experience. They need more experience of my power, of my goodness. They need to see me in action. So he says to them, well, you know, what have you got? Go and and see what's available. And they went off, did a bit of research and came back and said, well, we've got five eggs and two fish. (coughs) And Jesus took what they have and he blessed it. And um, it's really important, isn't it, that we're very clear about what our problem is. Somebody said to me the other day, oh, I can't dream because I'm a realist. I can't dream because I'm a realist. And I said, that is great. Because you can actually assess your situation in the light of reality and in the light of what your circumstances are now. And then you can go and you can assess who your father is. You can assess how generous he is. You can assess how he's the creator, you can assess how he wants to do good, you can assess that he has miracles for you, you can come and find out about who he is and dwell on him, and then go back to your problem with a perspective of knowing who your God is. And it's so important, isn't it, that we don't focus on our problems so much that we're taking our gaze off who Jesus is. Okay? The more that we gaze on our wonderful Jesus and the marvellous things he's done in our lives and in other people's lives, then that will give us faith and expectancy to dream when we have a problem in our own lives. So we need to be real about what our problem is, but then we need to look up to God and we need to remember what his perspective is. And we need to bring our perspective in line with the perspective of the Father. Okay? Right. So, where are we at in the story? That's right. So Jesus said, okay, we have five loaves and two fish. And when we've got a problem and we've got to start dreaming about it, then God just invites us to think up what the solution might be. Can we just have the next one up, please? Okay, so like I said, how can more of heaven come to earth through my problem? And the next one. How can this problem reveal more of God's goodness? And the next. What are the testimonies that could come from this problem? So just think now, What what are some of the problems you are facing at the moment? If you partner with Father God and his miraculous power, what would be some of the testimonies you could be sharing this time next week about how God has come through and how you've seen more of heaven coming to earth? Let's dream of the solutions with Father God. So Jesus then says, what have you got? The disciples bring him back, the five loaves and the two fish. And he blesses it. And when we're faced with a problem, we begin to dream about it. It's easy for us to then almost like not take any more responsibility and just say, God is going to sort it out. I've given my problem to God and he's going to sort it out. But you know, the amazing thing about being in relationship with Father God is that He wants you to partner with Him. He wants you to partner with the Holy Spirit to see this dream realised that turns your problem into an amazing outcome that glorifies Him. So He chooses to partner with you and He says, What have you got? What resources have you got? Father God says to you, What have you already got? that will bring something to your problem, that will help things to change? What are the resources that are already in your hands? Um, A few years ago, I was out doing a ministry school in America, and it was the first Christmas that I was away from England, and it was the first Christmas that I was away from my family. And I remember thinking, I really want a Christmas tree up in my house. I really want to make it as much like it is at home as possible, and I want a Christmas tree. And finances were really tricky at this point, because I wasn't working because of being out um, in America, and because of these issues, not being able to work and have a job. And in my budget, I didn't have money for a Christmas tree. But I was like, Father God, I really like a Christmas tree. And it was a bit of a dream, actually, for me to have a Christmas tree in my house that year. <laughs> and um, I started to just tell Father God about it. And then I was out shopping, and I was in like a thrift store, which is the equivalent of a second-hand store over here. And I was in this thrift store, and there was some Christmas tree decorations and some lights. And they were just like a dollar um, or two dollars, and I thought, well, that is in my budget. And I just felt like God said to me, Why don't you buy them in preparation for the Christmas tree that I'm going to give you, Joy? Oh, and I was so like, cool. Oh, that feels a little bit scary, but also a little bit exciting. So I bought these lovely lights and decorations and I took them home. And the next day it was Sunday. And I remember now I was sitting in my lounge and I was looking in a certain corner of the room and I was imagining how my Christmas tree would look in that corner of the room. And I was just saying, well, God, if you want to give me a tree, it would look really good over there. Anyway, I went off to church and the person who was speaking started to give the notices. And they said, "Oh, by the way, um, we're selling Christmas trees this morning to raise funds for our school. They're at the bottom of the hill, and they're twenty-five, 25 dollars." And then he stopped and he said, "Hmm, is there anybody in the room that would really love a Christmas tree this year, but just doesn't have money in their budget to have one?" <laughs> So he asked people to raise their hands and then afterwards he gave them this like special free pass to go and get a free Christmas tree at the bottom of the hill. And do you know what? It was the best Christmas tree that I've ever had. It was just so beautiful. I can't really describe it, but it was really tall and I love tall Christmas trees. You know, really bushy, the needles didn't fall off, you know, and you shook it. It was one of those sort of trees. But the best thing about it was every time I looked at it, I felt my father's heart of kindness for me, and that he was interested in my dream. But I would just say to you, what's your Christmas tree this morning? What's the thing that you're dreaming about? What's your Christmas tree? Because maybe Father God wants you to go out and buy the lights and the decorations. Maybe Holy Spirit is going to just now snatch just something into your mind that he would love you to do in preparation for your miracle and for your dream fulfilled. Because he loves to partner with us and work with us. Yeah. Okay. Can we have the next? Point up. The other thing is that we need to realise who we are and what we carry. So we're children of God and that means that we're powerful and that means that um, God has given us his Holy Spirit to make wise choices and wise decisions about our problems And that means that we have an unfair advantage because we have the grace of God. So when you're looking at your problem this morning, you're a child of God with an unfair advantage because you have the grace of God pouring out of your lives and God is desperate to do you good. And when he does you good, the nations of the earth are gonna look at your life and say, wow, what an amazing father they have. So we need to remember who we are. I've just talked about this, but we need to remember the resources that you already have. And we need to look back on our victories and our testimonies. Because they will prepare us for faith in your problem changing into a dream. So we need to look back and see what God has already done. And I would just encourage you, if you've got a problem this morning and you know of somebody else that has had a similar thing going on in their life and has seen God do amazing things, go and hang out with them. Go and listen to their testimony. Get them to pray for you. Because there's something that happens. The testimony is so powerful. And there's something that happens when we just release that on each other. So find somebody who's got a testimony about the very problem you are facing. Okay? And the other thing is, what do you bring to your problem? You bring your heavenly encounters. And when we find out what God is thinking about a problem, sometimes he gives us an encounter with him that changes the way we think about that problem. So... I'm just gonna share with you one of my encounters. Um, it was also to do with provision again. And I was just about to go out to the States and needed a certain amount of money for my course. And I remember one day I was just worshiping in church and I felt like Father God took me into a room in heaven and he invited me to sit down at this huge chair pulled up at a desk. So I sat in this huge chair Looked on the desk, and there was this chequebook that said, Your heavenly bank accounts. Your heavenly bank accounts. And then Father God gave me a pen, looked me in the eye, and said, Joy, write out your cheques. Joy, write out your cheques. And something happened in my heart that day in terms of I have a bank account in heaven that I can access at any time. And my Father God has provided for me for my financial provision. And, you know, when we have an encounter like that... It, um, it does something in our hearts so we can receive teaching, we can hear other people talk to us about truth and about God's perspective and about who he is. But when you personally have an encounter, then that truth comes alive for you like nothing else. Okay, And I would just encourage you, be asking Father God for more and more of those type of heavenly encounters that are going to build your faith for the next time a problem comes along. Okay, can we just move on? Recognizing the excess and embracing extravagance. So when Jesus received the five loaves and the two fish, he blessed them. He asked the the disciples to sit the people down in groups of 50 and 100, and then he started to break up the bread and the fish, and he fed everybody. But then that wasn't where it ended, because as you all know, and as we read, he then said to the disciples, I want you to collect up what's left over, and there were 12 basketfuls of fish and bread left over at the end of the miracle. And I was talking to some friends of mine the other day and just saying, you know, I wonder what they did with that, I wonder what they did with all that excess food, because it was probably really hot and might have gone off, you know, I wonder what they did, I, I wonder why that's recorded. And my wife's friend, Catherine, said, well, I think it was to evidence the fact that we have a God who loves excess and likes to do above and beyond what our needs are and what our requirements are. And whatever problem you're coming to God with, he doesn't just want to, like, just do the least he can do. He wants to do more than you're dreaming about. And um, in Ephesians, it says that... He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Uh, So, as you dream about your problem and about what God can do, He then takes your dream and He thinks, Oh, I'm going to do immeasurably more because I'm the God who not only feeds 5,000 men plus women and children, but I'm the God who also means that there's enough to collect up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. So what's going to be the excess as God fulfills your dream? What's going to be left over? And I just want to share a story with you of a couple of friends of mine um, a okay. couple of friends they're called Steve and Jane and they recently met and got married just an aside here at the beginning of 2015 they both wrote dreams lists and both of them wrote on their dreams list that in 2015 they wanted to meet their partner and get married and on December the 4th 2015, they had their dream wedding. Yeah. That's just a little aside for you. Um, just find this. Mm. I want to get it right and accurate. Okay, here we are. So, Steve and Jane were just about to get engaged, and Steve was out shopping for Jane's ring. He knew the exact ring that Jane wanted, and found it in the shop. Only to realise it was way over his budget, way over his budget. I would imagine there's a lot of um, there's a lot of grooms to be that find themselves in that position. But listen on to their story. So Steve went away and prayed, and he said, "I just said to God that I was really disappointed." because he said, you know how much I love Jane, God, and you know that my desire is to buy her the engagement ring of her dreams, but I don't have anywhere near the amount of money. It's impossible. So this took place on Wednesday. Within a a week, Steve had been given a very substantial personal financial gift from a friend. He'd also been financially blessed Beyond what he was thinking from two speaking engagements that he'd done. And he had enough money to go and buy the ring that was Jane's dream ring. But he said to me, The amazing thing was, Joy, that I ended up having a few pounds left over. And when he said that, it just did something in me. And I feel like God just nudging me and saying, Joy, I don't just meet the need. I go above and beyond, and I left Steve with a few more pounds, a few, a bit more than what he actually needed. And uh, that's the way God is with us. He just loves us to receive the excess and to expect the excess. So in Luke eleven, it says, "What father among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? How much more?" will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? He's the God of the above and the beyond and the excess. And that's our dad. That's our dad. So wonderful, isn't it? Okay, so just in closing, they all ate and were satisfied. So all the people sitting down ate and were satisfied as Jesus did the miracle. It's always God's heart that we're satisfied as his children. And I would just like to say to you this morning, what areas of your life do you feel like you're thriving in? And what areas do you feel at the moment like you're just surviving and just keeping your head above water? Because Father God wants you to thrive. And he just wants you to come and begin dreaming with him about those areas. Dreaming with what it, what it could look like as you partner with him and see his goodness come in those areas. Dreaming with him about how he's thinking about those areas in your life where you feel like this is hard work, I'm just keeping my head above water. There's just an upgrade this morning in our thinking that the Holy Spirit is bringing about. <coughs> I want you to think about what are the resources I already have for my problem? What are the resources I already have for my problem? And bring those to God and ask him to bless them. Sometimes when people come to me for a dreaming session, they talk about a dream and they say, I can't do that because it costs too much money. And it's like they've completely stopped dreaming because they just think, oh, I haven't got any money. I can't dream. And what I normally say is, well, what do you have? You know, you might have a pound, actually, that you could just put in a pot and say, Father God, you know, I'm dreaming about this. I have a pound. I'm going to give you the pound and get you to bless that. What have you got in your hand already, that you can give to God in preparation for seeing your dream happen. Because God wants to bless it and increase over it. And we just want to see what the Father is going to do. I want to stop there, because I feel like it's time for us just to encounter some of this. So I hope that as I've been speaking, you've been like thinking, oh, what's on the menu this morning? What do I want to experience? And um, I just want.